things, humans, robots, replicants, those evil little dogs from Black Mirror, to the very first episode of the Future Real Podcast. My name is Evan, and I just wanted to quickly say thanks for checking out this first episode. Hope you guys enjoyed 1997's Starship Troopers. For. But in the future, the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. You smash the entire area, you kill anything that has more than two legs, you get me? We get you, sir! But they will face an enemy more devastating than any ever imagined. Prepare for battle and journey to the front lines of the next frontier. Kill them all! Starship Troopers. Just hit record and then we'll... It's already recording, baby. We're already there. Oh, it is? Oh, shit, it is. Holding. So this is the podcast. This is it. <laughs> well, welcome to the Future Real Podcast. I am uh, your host, Evan Solano, and I'm joined again by my lovely co-host, Emily DeLapp. That's me. I'm Emily. It is. <laughs> and we are like one drink in so far. <laughs> we're doing our- We'll say one, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seems about right. <laughs> and uh, we're going to, yeah, today we're going to be doing uh, one of our- one of my favorite. I don't even know. Like you know what? Actually, I know. Like, watch, rewatching this is actually like realized. Like this is actually like this is one fun. of the best. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be doing Starship Troopers. Uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah, Starship Troopers. <laughs> Would you like so, to know more? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my part. That's all I know. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm one seltzer mimosa, not mimosa, seltzer uh, michelada in. So I'm doing my Perfect. part. All right. Bugs. <laughs> that was basically the fall plot of the movie. Uh, so uh, basically, yeah. So it's for you know new listeners, uh, the Future World Podcast is basically a podcast where we're gonna look at uh, science fiction films and really break down the you know the the messages and the themes and the the stuff behind the writing, but hopefully do it in a fun way and hopefully hopefully do it, while we're, <laughs> hopefully do it like uh, a couple drinks in. So uh, so far, we're very far from the course copious copious notes were taken uh i mean you really chose a great film out of the list that we have <laughs> so, thanks man i felt good about it <laughs> yeah i mean this was like i was even like this is kind of like a what is it like i don't know like it's a really deep movie when you get down to it but uh, yeah. before we do that we're gonna take a really quick break and take a pause refill our drinks and then when we get back we're gonna join the mobile infantry and save the galaxy service guarantees citizenship oh would like you like to know more <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll be back all right welcome back we are ready to dig into starship troopers i'm ready i find frankly i find the idea of a bug that thinks offensive (laughs) i'm so i'm so glad that we did this movie this week because i i've always had a very strong attachment to it and getting to rewatch it after probably about 10 years i all it did was i just doubled down on how much i love this movie (laughs) It really, it was a real treat to like rewatch it again. I, I, I think I told you when you selected it that I rewatched it early in the pandemic 
but I think I kind of like either like fell asleep or was just like way too high when I was watching it. And I, just, like, <laughs> I just could not compute this movie. I was just like, what is happening? So it was like a good waste of time. And, uh, you know, I don't know, but rewatching it again is actually like, I don't know, I took a lot from it. So it's a solid movie. It's a, it is. And we'll, we'll definitely break that down in the, the end category, the fucks capacitor, where we, you know, take the, <laughs> the overall analysis of the movie and breakdown, do we fuck with it? So we'll definitely save it for that point. <laughs> but right now, let's go ahead and break down the film. So let's start with the uh, the IMDb synopsis, mm-hmm. where in the distant future, school or high school kids are encouraged to become citizens by joining the military. What they don't know is that they'll soon be engaged in a full-scale war against the planet of alien insects. The fight is on to ensure the safety of humanity. Do you feel like this is like an apt? What the, what they don't know is like I feel like a hundred percent they know they they're just gonna fight bugs. Like they don't think they knew that the bug thing was gonna happen though. That's the thing. Like I feel like this is like it's skimming over a lot. It is. <laughs> like, it's truly it's truly touching on like a quarter of the film at best. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I loved was the uh, I was reading this interview with Paul Verhoeven, the director of Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. who's also done like RoboCop, Total That's Recall. Important. Yeah, let's Most of which yeah. are on our list. Yeah. Showgirls, which is not on our list. But <laughs> We're not gonna, very... We won't necessarily touch on Showgirls in the sci-fi podcast. That's not going to We'll find a way to wedge it in. I'm not going <laughs> to it like, Oh my God. I'm... If I could find a way to make Showgirls a fucking sci-fi related film, I would be on cloud nine. <laughs> in this interview in The Guardian in 2018, Paul Verhoeven said, this is basically his breakdown of the movie. It's an idiotic story. Young people go to fight bugs. And I feel like that's actually like kind of the premise of the movie. I mean, obviously we're gonna dig deeper into the themes and the nuances of it, but let's let's do a little background on the film itself. So again, it was- I don't, I, okay, just to touch on the synopsis yeah. though, I wanna okay. say, I think it's, it's so much more. So first of all, like really the overall theme has nothing to do with space. Really, it's about like teenage young love right i love that you took the weight i actually wrote this down on the themes I, actually it put, is. I, I didn't put young love but i put coming of age story it's a coming of age story <laughs> it really it's, is it truly is i think that has more to do with anything than fucking bugs i think in the future when you're just dealing with the fact that there's fucking bugs everywhere <laughs> like none <laughs> of that matters you're still dealing with your anyone- I don't think anyone thinks this movie has anything to do with bugs. This is definitely about like fascism. It's like we're gonna break it down, but like there, I, no one's a hundred percent. This is just there's no bugs. It's just fascism and young love. That's all it is. But I do love Paul Verhoeven's take. Like it's just these young people go to fight bugs. What a piece you know what I mean? of like, shit. Good for him. So a little bit about Paul Verhoeven. Like we said, he's the iconic iconoclast director who did you know uh robocop uh total recall the original with arnold schwarzenegger not the one with colin farrell <laughs> both of which we'll probably end up doing at some point yeah. on this show um and showgirls among other amazing <laughs> films the film was uh was written by ed newmeyer who you know again paul verhoeven worked with on robocop in like 1987 i believe was when the movie came out and again newmeyer's style is very it's like if you watched RoboCop, you know that the original RoboCop was like very heavily satirical. I mean, there was like, and we'll talk about this obviously later, like in the film. But I mean, like the whole thing with like the 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 channels and like you know the those public executions and you know like get to know your foe and all these things. Like it was, it reminded me immediately of RoboCop. Like like you know how there was always like the channels that were changing and all this stuff. Like and like Ed Newmeyer is so like good at like doing like satirical stuff. So I mean, movie, really the movie is a satire, but the movie itself is based on a 1959 novel 
of the same name by an author named Robert Heinlein. And fun fact, I just ordered this book online. So it should be coming in the next couple of days. Um, but I actually ordered this book because I just wanted to like know more about it. But apparently Robert Heinlein was just like a humongous piece of shit. Like from what <laughs> I understand, like he was just very like pro-military industrial complex. He believed uh, that lack of discipline, this is like, you know, in 1959 that he wrote this book that he believed that a lack of discipline led to the moral decline of the United States. He was very pro-capital punishment to mold society into like this kind of utopia. He was well, very- Capital punishment, okay. Yeah, we touched yeah, on that. Maybe. I mean, again, they touch on it in the movie where like, the guy was getting like executed and you don't know what he did, but like, like, hey, public execution, come check it out, like live at 6 p.m. That was kind of Robert Heinlein. And um, I mean, in fact, the book itself was dedicated, like in the book it says, it's dedicated to all sergeants, anyone who have labored to make men out of boys. I mean, Holy this is what it was. He was like, no fucks given, like spank all the kids, send them into space and fight bugs. Like, that's kind of what it was. <laughs> uh, all right. So <laughs> the, the film was, it, basically the budget was 150 million. It grossed in the US, it grossed 54.5 million. Oh shit, really? Kind of a bummer, but worldwide it did 121 million. They yeah, almost some... broke even. <laughs> they only yeah. lost $32 million. 33? I have no idea. By the way, spoiler alert, everyone, I'm really bad at math. So <laughs> I like I wrote these numbers down and I was like, oh, this all tracks. <laughs> it did well. <laughs> no, it was all bad. It barely so needless to say, it was a box office failure. And I think the thing about it was that, you know, clearly, I mean, when you, when you see the movie, you clearly know this is like a satire, right? It's making, like, not making fun of the, like, it's, it's basically like, yes, it is poking fun at it. It's a, it's a satirical take on militarism and fascism and all this stuff. And the thing I noticed was like, when the trailer, when I was looking at the trailer, I was like doing research for the film, the trailer looks completely different. And this is something that a lot of critics have said that like, the, the trailer looked like a legit movie but then when you see the movie, it's like this crazy, like, I don't know, it's like this deep thing that you have to like, kind of like really think about. So do you think that this kind of like hurt the movie? Like when you saw it, like, did you? Honestly, I think that part of this movie, I think that this movie was probably done well enough to cause problems where people went into this because of the trailer and everything else, they went into this expecting it to be kind of, it, it is very, very satirical, just like Robocop, but it's very satirical. And so, yeah, I think it definitely did it a disservice. I think that at yeah. the end of the day, a lot of people were faced with the fact that they, if they were on board with what was going on here, they were on board with fascism and it bummed them out. <laughs> it's funny you say that, like, I actually wrote down this quote because it was just so, like, exactly on brand. So, Beerhoven said, like, with a title like Starship Troopers, people were expecting a new Star Wars. They got that, but not really. It's stuck in your throat. It said, here are your heroes and your heroines. But by the way, they're fascists. By the way, they're fascists. By the way, they're fucking Nazis. The trailer made it seem like, and again, when I was re-watching the trailer, I was like, oh my God, this does look like a really cool, badass action movie. Like, I thought it was like a very simple, like, well, okay. like planet and fighting bugs. I have this question for you. So when did Independence Day come out? What year? Do you remember? 96. Okay. All right. Yeah. And what was this, 97? 97. Well, there you go. This, I think, was the biggest fucking issue is we were working with summer blockbusters at this time, like real, like we were still really on board with it. I think Men in Black was maybe like one year away. I think that was yeah. like 98. So. Yeah. so we're stuck right in the middle of that, but we had just had Independence Day as a summer blockbuster and everybody, every fucking American is like looking at this film as like a fuck yeah America film. And it's really, really hard to just completely ignore the blatant fascism in this fucking film. 
<laughs> and there's like the, definitely a reason behind it. Oh, for sure. But the people that you're rooting for, you have to admit that like you're a fucking piece of shit if you're really rooting for them at the end of the day. <laughs> so the, the film was, okay, despite the fact that it was a box office failure, the film actually was nominated at the 90, <laughs> at the 98 Oscars. Oh, thank for, God. Uh, it was, a, it was nominated for Best Visual Effects, which I will say, the one thing I was when I was re-watching this movie was actually the visual effects really held up. Like, in the fact that this movie was like, you know- They did, sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, it was a good use of practical effects with like, what, visual what effects. What year was uh, Jurassic Park? Was that 94? Yeah, 93. So yeah. here's the thing. So it was nominated for Best Visual Effects. It lost that year to Titanic, but the other nomination for Best Visual Effects was actually The Lost World Jurassic Park, the sequel to- mm -hmm the 93 film that, that book by the way was fantastic lost oh world was yes. really good both of those I, they're on the list at some point like they're, yeah. they're somewhere in the oh, list oh we're, we're doing jurassic park yeah absolutely i mean i have to I, being like a, a costa rican citizen i guess i, I yeah. feel like i have to so you're obligated <laughs> oh i was i was gonna ask you this because i feel like we should touch on it in in each episode and i don't know that we mentioned this but how did you watch this were you able to watch this Ooh. for free uh, no, I had to, I did have to rent it. Thankfully, I have a lot of Google Play credits, so it didn't cost me anything, but- um, Well, I watched this for free. How did you watch it for free? <laughs> Tell our listeners how they can see this movie for free. So, no, I went on to the Amazon Prime app. Did you have to see it with commercials? It said that it was free with commercials, and there were zero commercials. Maybe, maybe they thought, like, the, the weird voice narrator guy was like, Do you, would you like to know more? Maybe <laughs> Those maybe were my commercials. Yeah. So, like, look- yeah. If you can sit through that, like yeah. no, it was it was advertised as free with commercials, but I actually had not one commercial during this entire movie. So you hear so that, Jeff for, Bezos? <laughs> Jeff, get it together. Get it together. Spread your wealth and put some goddamn commercials in Starship Troopers. Uh, the other two sequels that came out, I don't know. Like they're so basically the the film spawned two sequels, two film sequels, and then two computer animated films. So altogether, I think there's like another like four movies that we have to watch, which we're not going to watch, by the way. We're not even going to like discuss them because- I'm not going to touch on that. Did we get to, did we get a chance to touch on any of the trivia from this film? Uh, no, but we're actually going to go down the list right now. It's, it's on my, little, uh, my list, but it's good so, because we have some, some fun facts. Here. So like basically like Verhoeven, when he read the book, he hated the idea of the book. And the reason why he hated it so much was because again, Paul Verhoeven grew up in a uh, Nazi occupied Netherlands. So like this guy has a real like sense of actual fascism and like what it did. So he attempted to read it according to the, the Wikipedia of this uh, film. He was reading the book, but it made him quote, bored and depressed. Bored it, and depressed, holy shit. Yeah, it's really quite a bad book. I asked Ed Newmeyer to tell me the story because I just couldn't read the thing. It was a very right-wing book. So uh, another fun thing too, like another like fun note that I took down was like the cast agreed to do this like co-ed shower scene. Oh, I uh, have tons of notes about that, yeah. So the cast agreed to do the co-ed shower scene only if Verhoeven agreed to direct the scene naked. And he totally did. Like this quote, he says like, Americans get more upset about nudity than ultraviolence. I'm constantly amazed that I, I mean, I haven't seen any sex scenes in American films that are trying anything other than, that are anything other than completely boring. A bare breast is more difficult to get through sensors than a body riddled with bullets. And I feel yeah. like this is a very like, again, this is something that's in a lot of his movies. Again, in Robocop, uh, Showgirls, I mean, I feel like Showgirls was like the craziest sex scenes. Uh, Total Recall, there's like so much ultra violence in his films. I have a lot of feelings about that. I mean- About the, about the shower scene or about like the fact that there was like, so much ultra violent. This movie was violent as fuck, by the I way. Mean, I mean, that's I, honestly, I, that's that's my biggest note above all else is I fucking love Starship Troopers and the 
biggest reason I love Starship Troopers is because of how gory it is. How it's gory it is and how gender neutral it is. It's very, it's very accepting. And I love that. The shower scene is something that stands out above all else. Well, if you're hoping, come on the pod. Please write to us. Um, I'm getting sidetracked by the fact that this is also a movie that is essentially starring Ruth McClanahan from uh, Golden Girls. So... So let's start with this. How about, how about your history with the film? So like speaking of the goriness of it, right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, like the first time I ever came across this film, I remember I was a kid. There was a, a sci-fi magazine called Starlog or the cover was about Starship Troopers. And I just remember being like fascinated because they had all these still images of like the most goriest shit, like people with no legs and no heads and like, <laughs> just guts and blood everywhere. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? And so <laughs> I had to like beg my mom to like buy this for me. And uh so that was my first like entrance into like like Starship Troopers and what it was and like I just remember it looking so cool because it was like just super violent and just it just looked was there was just blood everywhere. I didn't pick up on the Nazi stuff or the fascism stuff until like way later. But I, I, uh, I not even it. with the commanders. The commanders have the absolute best fucking Nazi uniforms. Oh, it in was film. ridiculous how. <laughs> like in the style you were, time. you're telling me you were disappointed with the gore no 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 i was disappointed i guess like that it was that, an actual film and not just gore I, I feel like i've seen this movie like this movie is like the, the movie of uh boyhood where you know you follow yeah. one character yeah. as it grows up right that was like me and starship troopers the first time i saw it i thought it was dope because it was like this crazy action movie i was like yay bugs are exploding and everyone's dying i saw <laughs> it when i was like maybe 16 and i was like oh this is a bad movie like the acting's terrible and then I kind of left it alone for a while. And then I see it again as an adult and I'm like, I get it. It's about fascism. <laughs> you know, so, so that's my history with it. What What about you? What uh, What do you I mean, I was I was trying to think about this earlier and I, I don't remember the first time that I saw this, but it was absolutely when the film came out. I mean, it was when, so I must've been 16, 17 years old, somewhere around there. I remember that it was enough nudity for me to be very upset to watch this with my family. It was not a thing. <laughs> I cannot imagine your dad just being like, you know what, Starship no. is a good movie. No, but I don't think I saw this one in theaters. It must have been when it came out on, um, I guess, HBO. Let's kind of go into the cast now. I'm kind of like- So touching oh, on the sorry. cast, first of all, let's talk about Casper Van Dien's fucking perfect chiseled fucking face. It's so lovely. It's so good. So, but then Denise Richards, this is like- You get like some weird brother is, sister vibe from the movie. Like they yes. both have the same like, gorgeous blue eyes. Yes. Like, this is what just pre-Wild Things Denise Richards- like when we do our like horny 90s movie podcast yeah that'll be a one-off it'll just be showgirls and (laughs) (laughs) and poison ivy starring drew (laughs) thank god i love it so actually so speaking of casting so one of the things that i was uh reading about in my research it said like you know critics said the film suffered from a lack of star power to a certain extent it's very true you know oh like, my god I'm, no this is absolute I, trash we're gonna go down the list of the cast i have some notes here and there but i want to get your reaction and we can kind of discuss like what we thought of the characters as we go down so you, you mentioned casper van dean aka johnny rico we call him dean and not dn dean Casper Van Dien. I say Casper Van Dien. Okay, I don't know, whatever. So in that Guardian article that I was reading about with Paul Verhoeven, he says that like both Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon auditioned for the role, which I think would have changed that movie completely. I'm. We will talk about like what we thought like Mark Wahlberg would have done <laughs> in Starship Troopers because, oh my God. So here's a quote that, about why he cast Casper Van Dien. I was looking for the prototype of blonde, white, and arrogant. Exactly. And Casper Van Dien was so close to the image. Oh, that I knew Lenny he's so perfect. Casper Van Dien is the best Aryan representation ever. 
Oh, the perfect jawline, the fucking blue eyes, everything about him speaks Nazi. I really do think that like Casper Van Dien was like really into this movie. Like he really <laughs> did do a good job as Johnny Rico. And I don't know if it was like supposed to be like a cheesy performance. What, what are your thoughts on his performance in the movie? I loved his performance. I thought he was great. Everything, he was cheesy where he needed to be cheesy. And I thought he was solid when he needed to be solid. He was great. I think he's perfect and I want to marry him someday. I was, I, I for sure thought like Jake Busey was going to be your favorite character in this. Oh, so, okay. Basically. I'm sorry. Uh uh. Ace is my fucking dream man, okay? Those fucking teeth. Let's be honest. Although, Jake Busey truly was the perfect follow up to Gary Busey. I don't know how he made a perfect fucking. The electric violin that he was playing. Like, I don't You mean I have an entire thing of notes that just says, like, Jake Busey is so into this fucking violin. You know what that violin reminded me of? <laughs> For all our, like, 90s new metal heads out there, it looked like the guitarist from Cold Chamber, like his guitar. <laughs> Do you think the violin was like one of those things that like, it was like a cliche, like civil war thing that they added in? Like, I feel like Paul Verhoeven's like, I'm just gonna research a bunch of American wars, mm -hmm. and like put shit in there. Do you think the violin was like actually part of like the plan? Or do you think that was something like Jake Busey was like, yeah, my character would definitely play the violin. No, that was not Jake Busey. <laughs> he did not have that feedback. That was, was definitely the, something. That was above his pay grade? Yeah. So going down the list, we have Casper Mandine. We love him. Jake Busey, love him. Michael Ironside, right? Michael fucking Ironside. If you could have like based the movie about anyone aside from Johnny Rico, you could have based the movie about like Mr. Raz Razchak. I, what was the class that they were taking? I think it was the failure of democracy was the thing. That's what he was, well, it was supposed to be like a history class, I guess. And he was talking yeah. about like, these veterans who like came in and like saved humanity from the brink of falling apart. And so that's how we come to this society where the difference between a, a civilian and a citizen, like right. he has that great quote about- Why are only citizens allowed to vote? It's a reward. What the Federation gives you for doing federal service. No. No. Something given has no value. And I thought it was kind of interesting that both Mr. Razchak, the, the ch what did you say? The chick from Golden Girls with the weird eyes? <laughs> Blind. Rune McClanahan was the, she was the biology teacher in this. Did you notice how like all the, the, the teachers and the adults were all like fucked up? Like they gave their arms and legs yeah. and eyes for like yeah. their cause, right? Well, and we still have a couple of key characters, including Clancy Brown as Sergeant Zim. Clancy Brown is one of my all time favorites. And I do want to mention we have Hank from Breaking Bad. Playing like a space law enforcement guy like what the heck like, i know he's so good at it i couldn't just play a space hippie man just like i want to see hank break free man just like don't don't play the cliche <laughs> there's also again our queen dina meyer who like yes. now we're like two movies in a row we have dina I meyer, know. isabel dizzy flores and what a fucking angel oh my god fucking what's his face kept doing dizzy so wrong and then of course there's also like you know patrick harris and ph it's kind of weird to see i think this was one of his first roles that he did that was trying to like break out of the um, yeah doogie out, of the, out of the doogie hauser but then he just plays like a Nazi version of Doogie Howser who just shoots bugs. But he was mad psychic, so. Yeah, so, okay, so that was something. I didn't really pick up on this. So he is psychic, right? Like, because at he the is end psychic. of the movie, he's like, the bug is afraid. No, 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 he's, he's psychic. And that was something that I like is that in the future, despite the fascism, we really embrace psychic powers in the future. <laughs> so they talk about how the bugs have like evolved and like, like the bugs started as this and they end up like this. And then we have a character like NPH's character who is a human, but through evolution, he's been able to become psychic, right? This yeah. is something we, we see this in a lot of sci-fi movies, like where like, oh, human beings get to this point where you can- like... I like this. I like this theme a lot, to be honest. Yeah. I actually really like so, it. So I was trying to remember how he got like the ferret to go and bug mom. Because oh. he planted the image in his head that there was a grub cr climbing up his mom's leg. See, I thought that he trained the ferret to do that, you know? So I was kind of like, oh, like it's kind of like the military, the way that they train soldiers to like just turn your 
brain up and go kill. So the fact that he's psychic, that actually unlocks so much of this movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I feel like now I have to rewatch this movie. This makes Starship Troopers so much more interesting to you. Psychic Troopers. Psychic Troopers. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Should I not uh, eat soup on mic? No, I mean, I've been drinking on mic, so. <laughs> Welcome to the food surreal podcast the <laughs> <laughs> food and sci-fi podcast where emily eats soup while like, right, i just eat soup. so one more thing before we like wrap up the characters and we go into like the themes of the movie you mentioned like denise richards i just realized i had some notes written about her which i thought like you know i feel like the entire movie she was just like way too happy i also had this like really interesting note originally in the film that it was clear that Carmen was torn between Rico and Xander, which I have plenty of thoughts about Xander, like in our mm-hmm. fucking bottle son, because that dude is like 80 years you old. You have thoughts about fucking Xander's hair? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. According to this, so according to the Wikipedia, I guess test audiences, regardless of gender, strongly felt that a woman could not love two men at once. So scenes which portrayed this were cut. So it also says these audiences also felt it was immoral for Carmen to choose a career ahead of being loyal to Rico to the extent that many commented that in doing so, Carmen should have been the one to die instead of Dizzy. Oh my God. Put down your soup. (laughs) Tell me your thoughts. I'm gonna fucking lose it. So let's break that down a little bit. The idea that like, it was crazy for Carmen to like choose her career over Johnny. Like it's crazy that like 90s audiences like, I don't know, a woman choosing a job, boo. You know, like. I said, I love the spirit of gender equality in the movie while still maintaining sexuality. Like, I love that they didn't make people sexless robots. Everybody could shower together, but then when Casper Van Dien finally does Dizzy better and hooks up with her, and he was like so excited to see her topless, even though like he's showered with her every day, I was like, that's really fucking endearing and I love it. It was really cute. We can bring up the characters more and more throughout the the themes in the movie, but I wanted to break down like some of the themes that I wrote down and we can definitely discuss them. If there's anything that like you kind of felt like I'm missing. The big ones obviously were fascism. Mm -hmm. Huge point of the movie. Militarism. This movie was super pro-military because the book was pro-military as well. This whole concept of like, you know, corporal punishment and you know, like only through discipline and you know, you have to earn your right to be an American or whatever. And then a lot of nationalism and jingoism, like this whole idea that like we're the best, like superiority over another planet or another race, I guess, if you want Uh to. Well, and I love that in this movie in particular, they completely discredit this other race as being like fucking dumb, brainless bug. Frankly, I find the idea of a bug that thinks offensive. I'm gonna go to my grave with that. Like, especially Mm -hmm. with the spider, fuck spiders. For sure. Let's start at the beginning. Like, let's start with some of them. So like clearly fascism, right? So like the the Nazi-esque uniforms were like a huge- Yeah, I mean, it's essentially all of the commanding officers. The gray and black uniforms. Yeah, had the Uh, sickest- SS uniforms. The the black trench coats, just like yep. the you know the intelligence officers. So I guess in the uh, you know in the DVD commentary, Verhoeven said that the film's message is that quote war makes fascists of all of us. That's a big fucking statement. War makes fascists of us all. I mean, one of the things we can definitely talk about is like there is kind of like this like 9/11 moment that happens where there's like an attack on I Buenos mean, Aires. That's that's the thing. Yeah, as soon as there's the attack on Buenos Aires, and he's like, "Fuck all bugs. I don't give a shit. The only good bug is a dead bug." Oh yeah. I mean, it's a it's a 
great fucking statement. It's very true. I mean, when there's nothing else to rally towards or rally against, it always comes back to nationalism. You need to find some common denominator. It's what kind of keeps everybody going at the end of the day. So it's a wild statement. Here's something from the, uh, when I was looking at the, the, the Wikipedia for the novel itself. The, the film is, the, the book is set approximately 700 years from the present day. Oh, they gave you a timeline. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they get, so actually in the movie, it's supposed to be the 23rd century. So I don't know what that would be like. I mean, we're in the, what, the 22nd? 21st? <laughs> no, I thought we were in the 22nd. So I'm sorry, what was this, the 22nd or the 23rd? In the movie, it's the 23rd century. Oh, shit. Okay, so 2200 plus. So in the book, it's set 700 years from the present day. So again, the book came out in 1959. So you do the math. I'm terrible at it. I'm not That's it. wrong. 700 years from the present day, the human society in Starship Troopers is ruled by the Terran Federation, a form of world government dominated by a military elite. The society is depicted as affluent and futuristic technology shown as coexisting with educational methods from the 20th century. This is what I thought was interesting. The rights of a full citizen to vote and hold public office are not universally guaranteed, but must be earned through federal service. Those who do not perform this service, which usually takes the form of military service, retain the rights to free speech and assembly, but cannot vote or hold public office. So basically this entire planet, I actually looked this up, the United Citizens Federation. There's not even like a United States. It's like basically this planet is just like- It just, my biggest thing is like, how did they end up centered in Buenos Aires? So I have a thought. So obviously, yes, there is the whole thing that after World War II, the Nazis fled to South America and- yeah. you know, they started new lives. The other thing I thought too was like, I, I wrote down, this is one of the themes I wrote environmentalism, you know, kind of like what's happening right now, like the polar ice caps melted. It caused like a rise in the sea levels. And so like people had to like just migrate to like close to the equator, like to like South America. Mm. So I, mm. I kind of figured maybe there was like this weird unspoken thing where like, oh yeah, like we fucked our planet up so bad that like now migration patterns, like everyone had to move to like the center a little bit. I mean, I figured like the 23rd century. So by this point, like yeah. we're not going to fix it. I mean, right now we're talking about like trying to fix things by 2050 and it's like, there's no way. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we're always going to move to Buenos Aires. So thankfully my last name is Solano. I'll fit right in. You're fine. Yeah. So the other thing I kind of thought was interesting, a theme of the movie was like this uh, sense of like nationalism, uh, jingoism. And we saw this a lot, like, like the end of the movie where it says like, we're going to keep fighting and we're going to win. You know, yeah. like this idea that, you know, like you were talking about how no one expected these bugs to be smart. They thought they were all just like dumb, mindless things. And I, Again, huge allegories to like the way we treat our enemies. Like we think that they're like in these underdeveloped parts of the country. Or, of you know, course, of the they're world. they're never superior, especially not intelligence wise. They're always they're always inferior. That's why we're waging war against them because we are the better beings. Yeah. which is fucking trash. We just let white men run everything. It's fucking insane. Speaking of like rich assholes who like rule the world. So another big thing in the movie was obviously this idea of class, where you know like like if you're smart, whatever you become an officer right like if you're like neil patrick harris but if you're dumb like johnny rico is supposedly supposed to be he's so he rich and so dumb his entire family remember when he like he says like i'm gonna sign up for the you know the infantry whatever his dad just loses it like rich people rarely are the ones who are fighting these wars you know really it is like children of like the poor like working class mm -hmm. the underserved communities who are out there like on the front lines like fighting these bugs or fighting the the foreign enemy while the civilians live in their high tower and you know like get to talk shit and I think that was another cool thing in the movie where like Rico's dad is just like, oh, that's bullshit. Like he has opinions. You know I mean? <laughs> Civilians have opinions, but the thing is they can't do anything to change it yeah. because in this world, who are the only people who can vote? Citizens. So you, in order for you to vote, you have to like be in the military 
military and go fight bugs and you know like so Rico, the- Rico's parents are not citizens no they're civilians and again like they, they you have the freedom to be whatever you want but like if you're a, if you're a citizen then that means you can vote that means you have input into society I don't know like what do you think would you rather would you be a civilian citizen oh man um that's a great question because I'm like would I actually serve because I would gladly serve but if I knew I had to do that to gain my citizenship I would probably say fuck it but you know what's interesting did you catch that part where you have to gain a license to have children one of the girls during this super cool shower scene that's probably my favorite but she mentions because they're talking about their future ambitions and what they want to do and she says that she wants to be a mommy and she wants to have kids and so that's why she's serving is so that she can get a license to have children a cool thing uh, not a cool thing but something i also noticed was this idea of like this hive mentality, right? Like the hive mind. This is like a, a thing that they brought up in the bug world where they're like, oh my God, there's like a brain bug that's controlling everything. But if you think about it, like that's kind of like what this world is for us as well. Like people play certain roles in society, right? Like, so the civilians, like, you know, Rico's dad is like, I'm rich, I can do whatever I want. And in a way the bugs have that same thing. Like, I don't know yeah. if you up on that. Like, yeah. so like they have like the, the arachnid bugs are the ones, you know, that are getting fucked up on the front lines. Right. And you have those weird tanker bugs that are like shitting out like- The meteors, yeah. And then you have like the flying bugs. See the even in the bug and, then you, society, and then you have the brains. So even in a bug society, they have the same kind of structure, like hierarchy that we do as a humans. You know, we have like NPH is like an officer. Carmen is a fleet. Rico is the MI. Yeah, very interesting. Like making that direct comparison. This thing that they're completely discrediting these bugs. They're like, oh, they're fucking dumb, whatever. Right. And but it's like, no, so there's a hierarchy, the just like we have a hierarchy. It's yeah, the exact so same thing. So are the humans, you're just as dumb. Like, yeah, exactly. So I want to hear more about your idea of like this being like a love story. Walk me through this idea that it's about young love. Like It I mean, is. I mean, I think it's the entire premise of the film is that it doesn't matter what kind of obstacles you put in front of young teenage kids. Like at the end of the day, whether it's like World War II or fucking bug war or whatever it is, at the end of the day, no matter what, it's there's kind of the same prevailing themes of like, you know, you go through high school and you find your first love and you fight for her. And then you find out she doesn't really give a shit about you. (laughs) It doesn't matter what form of the future it is. There are certain things that will always prevail. And I really like that concept. It's really comforting. Not to those test audiences. (laughs) (laughs) They did like it. I mean, I don't know. I also thought that this was like, I wrote down that it was like kind of like a coming of age story. So, okay. If we stripped away the sci-fi-ness of this, right? If we really break it down, I think it's a story about how Rico wants to make a life for himself. He wants to break free from his, like the society that he knows. Like, cause obviously Rico grows up in like a, an affluent life. Like he's rich, his parents, you know, like have everything. But for him, he gets really like taken by uh, what's his name? Mr. Razcheck. Michael Ironside's having this impassioned conversation about like, you know, like what a citizen versus a civilian and given your life. It's really him struggling between these two fathers in his life. He has like rich dad and war dad. (laughs) I love that comparison so much. It really is like Michael Ironside is like his second father. If you think about it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Even when he like the first time where where he gets like fucked up, right? Where um, what's his face, Johnny Rico? You know, you think he died, but then really you find out that Mr. Razcheck saved him. But really, this is like this idea of Rico struggling with his place in society. He has this life laid out in front of him, but he wants to make his own path. I think, you know, Robert Heinlein, like he uh, really, he stresses that in the book. And I think that's why he dedicated, you know, again, like he dedicated Starship Troopers to like sergeants who make men out of boys, you know? All right. Were there, were there any other themes that you want to bring up? I don't know. There's something here. I, I kind of wrote down that like, there's a little bit about like sex and gender in this as well. You oh know, no, I mean? for sure. 
gender gender was a big one that I pulled away from this. What, in what way? Well, I mean, it was like I said, we we talked oh. briefly about the uh, about like the shower scene, for instance. These, All you've been talking about is the shower scene. I know, <laughs> but it, but it was it was such a small, semi insignificant scene in the film, and I love that it was built out to kind of be an ins- insignificant scene. But truly, I think it it was really significant. It was this implication that in the future we can see men and women aside from our sexuality it's not involved but at the same time the thing that i like about the movie is that there's still these very sexual undertones right like Mm. of your first love and of this competition between like man versus man and these different things like i'm in love with this woman and she loves this other man but it's like you can have these gender neutral interactions like this shower scene and it's implied that that what is valued about each of the other gender each person is more than their than their obvious sexuality and so it's it seemed like a very large theme to me that that was kind of not intentionally minimalized but it was um kind of maybe oversimplified i don't think that it was touched on as much but i thought that it was a really sweet idea i like the way you said that like this idea of like they're just like total equals like in this world like men and women are the exact same and they're they're treated as equals there's it's even the same with race Actually, yep. you know, yes, there's like, absolutely. like black, white, brown, like everything is just for the good of the body politic, as yep. like Mr. Raschek says, like you only you only live to like fight against the enemy, against these bugs, whether right. you're a man, a woman. And again, this idea that like we just we don't even classify genders in this. We, yep. we classify people as civilians or citizens. Yeah. That's it. It's almost like trolley in a way. Yeah. It's kind of like we'll give you like gender equality and like race equality race equity but like as long they live in a military society you have to give yourself a vote unless you're a citizen exactly i I mean we don't see any examples in this entire film of any sort of homosexual relationships or any diverse i mean like okay so like that's the thing like everyone is divert there is diversity quote unquote you see shots you see shots of diversity but none of your main characters yeah no people are different Different colors in the in the yes. film but like they're not, they're all doing the same thing like yes. there's no uh when you're in high school you have all these dreams like i want to be a you know i want to be a fireman or i want to be in a band or i want to do this i want to be an so, artist like, so you think that's the case in starship troopers is that in this future the only real hope for anything of a person of color is to join the mobile infantry that's it i mean what i know do you, like, i, know. I kind of agree i it was it was it seemed to be the implication of the film to be honest like you could be a civilian and yeah, it, sure. they don't make it seem like you can't ever have a good life because yeah. obviously rico's parents have like this amazing life and they're going on you know vacations to wherever the fuck so clearly you can get by in life and not struggle but well and also you- what is the implication that like in buenos aires in the year 22 something there are no fucking people of Latino descent. Like it's just white people living in Buenos Aires. That's wild. Again, I mean, it's playing with a lot of themes. And I feel like this was kind of like on purpose that like Paul Verhoeven, like he was so like bummed at this book. It reads as a straight, like, this is really what I think. Like the military should take over everything and there should be this. That like Paul Verhoeven, in order for him to make this film, had to make it like a satire in order for us to get, in order for him to digest it. And I think sure. it's kind of like just glaring at you. It, like, it hits you over the head for sure. It was very ahead of its time because the minute I saw this when we were rewatching it for this podcast, yeah, I immediately was just like, holy shit, this is just like America now. Yeah, American superiority. We're number one. The fact that they have bases on different planets, the way that we have, you know, bases all over the world, you know, like in different countries. And I mean, really, this movie was 
how far removed from like the Iraq war. And there's so many things about this movie that are just like, holy shit. It's just like, it basically is like an allegory for the Iraq war, you know, where basically we go into this like country and like, you know, we start shit with like this other culture and like, you know, whatever. And it's all because of some like giant terrorist attack that happens where like something happens to Buenos Aires. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we agree. But we'll take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to like dive into some of the music, the visual aesthetic and some of the other fun categories. So stick around and only good bug is a dead bug. All right. Are we coming back? Welcome back to the shower scene podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We only talk about the shower scene from Starship Troopers. Please let that be all I talk about. All right. So So we we have another category that we wanted to touch on. Pop culture impact. How did this film affect our cultural zeitgeist? So how did the movie about the 23rd century affect us here in the 21st century? So here's the categories and feel free to expand on them if you want. Mm-hmm. Blur, song two. What a great song. This song, oh my God. Yeah. This movie basically made Blur pop. Until the gorillas. Until the gorillas were a thing. I wrote down co-ed sports. Slash military. Uh, I also wrote on Endless Wars. <laughs> this movie really uh, put Endless Wars on the map. I mean, this movie really did like... <laughs> Sorry. You, you think our Endless Wars in Iraq are a result of Starship Troopers? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason why. I do have a great quote, by the way. So sure. From Casper Van Dien, the man, Johnny Rico himself. At, when he was in Comic-Con in 2017, he was promoting like some of the awful trash sequels of Starship Troopers. He goes, that movie, Starship Troopers, was accepted fully by the Bush administration. They loved it. I know that from Karl Rove and the other, and from others who said that they loved it. Bush loved it. And then we know that Clinton loved it and he used to play it all the time in his war room. Both Democrats and Republicans loved it. They both feel it's relatable to their side. Yes. What I mean, a I hot think- take from Casper Van Dien. So yes, I do think that Starship Troopers did influence our endless wars in the Middle East because, I mean, clearly both Bush and Clinton were fans of this. I like that you said clearly, like Casper Van Dien's word is gospel. I mean, I have no reason to doubt Casper Van Dien, but... The saddest category of like pop culture impact. When we choose a fun movie, it'll be cool. Fascist films are pretty sad. I'm taking videos I, I wrote, like rising nationalism in America. I mean, they were like Starship Troopers was really ahead of the curve of like us first, you know, like the whole like MAGA, whatever thing, like sure. they really capitalized on it. You can't say America first because there's no America in this world. There's just right. like the UCF. Uh, and then lastly, I put American imperialism slash exceptionalism. So wow. again, I feel like the only good thing was like co-ed sports and military and blur. <laughs> like everything else was an endless bummer. Is there anything that like you thought stuck out? No, I mean, the only thing that really stood out to me was honestly, as far as it being made in 1997, I'm surprised it's not cheesier because we had a real fuck up of a time in the late <clears throat> 90s to the early 2000s where there were just a lot of regrettable choices made in science fiction films absolutely so let's move on to uh we need to find a better name for this basically it's all about the visual aesthetic and design of the film and so here are the categories i have there's only two the one thing was like as you said the dance at the high school yeah which was the kaiser permanente building in baltimore Park. i spent the first half of this entire year (laughs) because i broke my ankle this is a real building that evan has had to suffer through I saw the window where I cried. At one point, there was a really sweet prom scene for a fucking sci-fi film there. Honestly, that's all I kept thinking about. Oh, this is where they film Starship Troopers. 
<laughs> this is the only thing that got me through my broken ankle. <laughs> Honestly, one of the most beautiful things about living in Southern California is that you're going to come across that. You're going to have like a significant emotional event at a place where you're like, oh, that's the same restaurant from 500 days of summer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are so spoiled to live in Southern California because I know. we have uh, Oh, and you know what? I don't know if we've decided to break out a category for filming locations at this point, but there's so many good filming locations in this fucking thing. Hazard Permanente, Space, and somewhere in like Wyoming or South Dakota. <laughs> no. One of the most classic ones of all time. Do you know which one it is? No. What? I'm going to tell you right now it's related right. to Star Trek. Oh my God. Most of the bug planet yeah. is filmed at Vasquez Rock. Oh, I have no idea what that is. Vasquez Rocks is one of my all-time favorite sci-fi locations. It is referenced in so much Star Trek, including the most recent Star Trek, uh, Picard. So the other thing that I had for the visual aesthetic was all the graphics from this like weird channel. The only thing I wrote down was there was like a lot of bevel and emboss for all my uh, Photoshop nerds <laughs> out there. Great use of fonts though. I mean, they used Eurostyle a lot, which is like basically like Eurostyle, Google it. They use it in basically every science fiction film. It is like the master of puppets of uh, sci-fi fonts. <laughs> It's the uh, Sweet Home Alabama of <laughs> science fiction fonts. No, I mean, to me, the typography was fucking trash. Let's talk about like ahead of its time. So this is our category where we're going to talk about what came true in the year of that film. Like what are the things that we noticed in the film? <laughs> we drifted so much towards fascism in the past four years. So I mean, oh. <laughs> it's alarming. It's alarming how close we've gotten to Starship Troopers. No, yeah, this has nothing to do with the ahead of its time category, but it kind of does. In a world where like civilians and... Uh, citizens, there would be no Donald Trump president, if you think about it. Because in order for Donald Trump to ever become president in this world, he would have had to become a citizen who has served in the military. And, you know, obviously, Mr. Bonespurs over here, like, <laughs> hasn't. So hottest take of Starship Troopers. <laughs> if we actually had this military government, Donald Trump would never exist as a president. That's true. That's actually a good point. Oh my God, was Robert Heinlein ahead of this curve? Oh my God, yeah. Oh, damn it. Now I've got to rethink this entire oh, podcast. Oh no. We support the fascism of Starship Troopers. So I did write down this like hella nationalist propaganda channel. So that was- Oh, that was the Federation of the Network, yeah. Yeah, the Federation Network is basically like the space version of Fox News. Yeah, for sure. That's true. I mean, if Fox News could get away with having public executions on its uh, <laughs> roster, I'm sure they would. Like they would squeeze it in between like, you know, Tucker Carlson and Judge Jeanine Pirro, you know? <laughs> Other thing that's ahead of its time, Moon base. I feel like that is something that the government is currently working on right now. That's half the reason why Space Force exists is to build a base on the moon. And there's a lot of sci-fi that we're going to talk about in later episodes where there's already a moon base and it's kind of like this like fueling station to go to other planets, you know? So I feel like that was kind of ahead of the curve. I wrote a 9-11 moment. Again, the movie comes out in 97. 9-11 happened on 2001, but it was like, yeah, like this uh, attack on Buenos Aires was, I don't want to say it was like a false flag attack. I sound like this weird Rush Limbaugh about- Please continue. There is a theory. I was In my research, I was going into this rabbit hole of Klondathu and all this other shit. Klondathu, so, yeah. They're in this world, there's like a military, you know, government, right, whatever, right? And they're going off to different planets and they're, you know, just bugging the shit out of the locals and whatever. And so really the, the military kind of like forced the bugs to do this like attack on Earth in order for them to justify invading the planet. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like the fact that the military, this like the Federation shows up on this like bug planet and starts instigating all this shit, like clearly the bug planet responds. And so then they're like, oh, now we can go in and like attack it. <laughs> I believe that the, uh, the attack on Buenos Aires is a uh, false flag moment. <laughs> and we'll be back on Alex Jones' podcast. <laughs> 
I was gonna say let's take one more break, plow through the rest of these like categories. There's like three more, and then we'll go off and fight a bug or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do my part. We get you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Now is the part where we get to talk about our favorite fight song ever. You got motherfucking Mazzy Star on the house. Mazzy Star, the most beloved song of the 90s. I mean, I hear Fade Into You and I just rip my sleeves off and I just want to punch a motherfucker in the head. It was honestly pretty hot though. I was like two like really good looking the- dudes fighting to Mazzy Star. I was like, oh, I never knew I needed this, but I did. All you needed was a shower scene. That was it. Like- no, the shower scene didn't have shit on a fight no, to no, Mazzy no, Star. Wait, if, if Johnny Rico and Xander were fighting in a shower. That's my dream come true. This is like the, uh, space, the space gem category where we cover the music and the film and everything else. Uh, there wasn't really a lot. Like, honestly, all I wrote down was there wasn't- Star. Blurt. Song two that was used in the trailer wasn't even in the soundtrack. And then there was like actually a David Bowie song that's in the scene when they're at the dance. The song is it's sung by this uh, this woman named Zoe Polidoris. So the soundtrack was uh, the score was actually written by this guy. Uh, I forgot his name, but his last name is Polidoris. So I don't know if this is his wife, his sister, daughter. I don't know who it is. And she does a song called There's one called Into It, and that is the like weird like prom song. Okay, and did was it actually her performing live? It was the, her performing. Okay, but then there's another song. They called, had really great dresses. I remember that. Yes, they were like the Romy and Michelle. Yeah, like, very very Romy and Michelle costumes. They were really uh, good. So there's a song that, again, in the later scene at the same dance when he's talking to Michael Ironside, there's a song that's called "I've Never Been to Oxford Town," which is like a David Bowie. Apparently, this yeah, he wrote it. It was like came out in like '95. So this that whole scene I felt like was just very very 90s and super cool i just couldn't figure out like what song they were singing like that yeah. first one was just like kind of like what like 100 gex is right now like i don't know this weird like anti-music it's like wah, wah, wah. i don't know <laughs> just like it's just like just weird like some chicks singing like eh, I don't, it's just nuts. I don't know. It's, whatever edm is right now is just kind of like what i think that like oh my god like, you sound like the oldest man ever it's amazing Welcome to Get Off My Lawn, a, um, <laughs> an old man podcast. <laughs> what is this movie? Can, can we talk about the fact that the entire, they're, they're, I guess we're not gonna call it Starfleet, but whatever. They're a little like Starfleet Academy, like their color palette was powder blue, olive green, and burnt orange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So there's actually a good reason why they chose these wacky colors. Why? In one of the scenes where they raised this flag, right? The flag is actually, it was basically almost an exact kind of like a Space Force ripoff of the Nazi flag. Or there's this specific Nazi flag and the producers of the movies were like, oh my God, that's a Nazi flag. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like Paul Verhoeven actually like, no, they're different colors. And he did that on purpose. He chose these insane colors that make no sense. So Are you way, serious? Like, so that way it would stand out from, he's always like, oh, we can't use like Nazi colors, of course, you know? So we have to like make it like goofy, dumb colors. There's a quote that like Verhoeven says regarding the costumes, which I thought was pretty interesting. He says, I was using a lot of like Reef installed, again, who like directed Triumph from the Will. Yeah. To point out, yeah, to point out, or so I thought, that these heroes and heroines were straight out of Nazi propaganda. No one saw it at the time. 
Yeah. I don't know whether or not the actors realized we never discussed it. I thought Neil Patrick Harris arriving <laughs> on the set in SS uniform might clear it up. I thought that might make things a little bit more clear. Can you imagine that conversation? Like, oh, so no. here's your uniform. He's just like, bro, this looks like the bad guy in Indiana Jones. You know like, I, mean? like, I, like, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be a naysayer in this whole situation. And you, and you I'm just, to, I'm just happy to have the work, but I right. feel like I should put it out there. This looks like an SS Nazi uniform. Am I wrong? Again, he made no illusions. He's like, I don't know. We never really talked about it, but I figured someone will put it together. Like seen it in 2020, I was like, oh, those are like straight up Nazi uniforms. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love so much that he just said they never talked about it. <laughs> never, we never discussed it. It was just the I, elephant in the room. They were like, I feel like we might be Nazis, but like, I'm just happy to get a paycheck. <laughs> I thought Neil Patrick Harris arriving on set in an SS uniform might clear it up. I like that he like arrived on set. Like he was already <laughs> wearing the Nazi uniform. He didn't want to go into costume. He's just like, hey. Oh. The other thing I wrote was that like the mobile infantry uniforms, which is like, you know, like Rico and all of the, yes. the grunts wear. I thought it was kind of cool that the uniforms were very similar to uh, the the cops in Robocop. Like the, oh. the Troy PD. Oh, sure. I don't know. It was, like, I again, didn't think it was, about that. That's yeah, it was true. weird. Like again, they had this like kind of like gray. The helmet was very reminiscent of like the one that Alex Murphy and what's her face wears. Like uh, clearly because like Paul Beerhoven was a director, and I'm sure he worked with the same costume designer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was something that definitely stuck out to me was the fact that the mobile infantry, same thing as the police, kind of like a hidden meaning. Like you know, like mm -hmm. uh, this mobile force is the same as like law enforcement. I don't know. You know. The only other thing I wrote was that apparently Doc Martens are still in the future, apparently, because there was Do that scene. Do we have Doc Martens in the future? I didn't yeah, know. There was that scene where like the newsreel is saying, like, all these kids are doing their part. And you see these little kids. Oh, and the kids were stomping out the cockroaches. Yeah. One of them had these like sequins, like uh, Doc Martens. How that was great. I, in the I fuck did would... I not notice that? I can't believe I didn't notice that. I feel like all the little kids in that newsreel were basically dressed the way like adults dress now. And even like when the, when Rico and, you know, Carl and everyone else is in their civilian uniforms. It looked very like- Who's Carl? His name was Carl? Carl, Carl Jenkins. Carl Jenkins. God, they really didn't try with that one. What a terrible right, name moving for on, let's, let's talk a little about the technology. So this is where we talk about like what technology came true in the film, like what was similar, like what was way, way off, but pretty fucking awesome that we wish came true. There yep, were several yep. in his that I was like, why isn't this real yet? Having spent the first half of this year, rehabilitating my broken ankle <laughs> yeah uh the liquid cast after uh that one trooper gets his arm broke oh I was yeah like, what is that that was awesome. well and i thought about that and i think he was only not screaming in pain in pain because he knew that it was going to be fixed so quickly yeah they just they just figured out how to do it like i thought that that was something in particular that was very interesting was that he wasn't losing his fucking mind because in the future you know that things like that could be corrected so quickly that it reflects on how much pain you choose to. This ties back into the whole idea. Like this movie was gory as yeah. fuck. Oh my God, but, like, it's so gory, I love there it. There was so much, like there were so many things that I was just like, oh my God, I could not handle this. Like, I mean, Jake, Jake Busey that. got a knife thrown through his hand. It was yes. so good. Okay, we're gonna cover this in plot hole, son, but just quickly, like why <laughs> did they keep fucking up the cadets? It's so counterintuitive. Like you it's need not, it's not because they're able to correct it so quickly in the future. I love that. What was it that they did to Rico when Rico died? Water tank surgery. That's the water other thing. tank <laughs> surgery. Did you just name like that? I, I named it. Water All tank right. surgery. Water tank surgery. <laughs> yeah, I wish that was a real thing. All he did was like sit in a tank, which by the way, if you woke up in a water tank, 
like the fact that he kept it pretty together. He wasn't like, ah, oh, you know, like he was, he was just like all about it. He just jumped in his eyes. Handle it like a champ. Sounds good. He was like, <laughs> Water right. tank surgery, liquid cast. I also thought, like, the uh, would you like to know more? I figured yeah. I was like, wow, you guys predicted YouTube algorithms. That's pretty interesting. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's more uh, insidious now with YouTube. They don't even really ask you. Just YouTube doesn't give a shit. It's just going to show it to you. You just watch like a Doc McStuffins video, and the next thing you know, you're being killed <laughs> by like, you know, QAnon shit. Doc McStuffins is a really sweet kids show. Welcome to Pod McStuffins. A, uh, <laughs> anyway okay so video messaging another thing you know obviously he got broken up with i just thought that was kind of like early facetime in a way i was gonna say i actually kind of liked that part because i feel like they kind of accurately called like something that they would always do in old older sci-fi films is they would imply that when there was any sort of video messaging that the quality of it was going to be really shitty and in Mm. starship troopers the quality of the film the quality of like the video messaging system was like the exact same as the film yeah and i I loved that i was like okay so that's that's much more accurate it was it was pretty accurate to today it was pretty good and by the way at&t killing always at&t exists in the future this is the third film i know that i've seen that has at&t and i'm sure it's going to be much much more yep we saw johnny mnemonic at&t was used in that yep the AT&T was used in this. I know for sure it was in Blade Runner. And uh-huh. I think there was in another movie. I had, It's escaping me right now. But like, what's your thought here? You're the AT&T executive. Like, are you like buying into this? Like, hey guys, we got to stay ahead of the curve. Like, why don't we just I've buy thought it? about this. Whoever is yeah. working in marketing with AT&T is like really on top of it. Like they're aligning themselves with every science fiction film that's coming out they're like at&t is the future we're going to ensure that by making sure that we have a really good marketing team that's partnering with these sci-fi films <laughs> and now look in 2020 AT&T i know everything they owe everything everything that should probably be in like ahead of its time because like at&t is like literally ruling the entire world it's like one of my favorite at&t memories of all time was i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> this is great go <laughs> i love that you have a Oh, one of one of my favorite AT&T memories was at Disneyland when they opened up the Indiana Jones ride for the first time. They were passing out little decoder cards. And as you walk through the Indiana Jones line, which is like almost like a ride, there was yeah. there's so much rad shit to see during it. And you had this decoder card and it was very on par with like a Christmas story when like the kid gets his decoder, his decoder oh. pit thing. And yeah. he realizes that the fucking thing he's been dying to decode is essentially just an advertisement for Ovaltine. I remember <laughs> going through Indiana Jones and at one fucking point, I realized that one of the things I was decoding was just an advertisement for AT&T. And I was like, fuck. And they were just like, would you like to know more? Would you like to know more? I was so <laughs> disappointed. It's like a constant thing. Like in these movies, these giant corporations still exist. They, they don't make up their own corporate. I mean, Johnny Mnemonic did like Pharmacon, like that Pharmacom, was Pharmacon, like, yeah. But but aside, aside from the AT and T, still prevailed. Yeah, they still existed. Like, why wouldn't Pfizer still exist? Like, it had to be Pharmacon. Like, we just got absorbed and absorbed and absorbed. But that's a good fucking point, I, man. That's I'm just saying, like, it's like no matter what you do, like these capitalistic fucking even in people's wildest dreams of what <clears throat> what their idea of the future could be, it's like they're still fucking AT and T. What kind of deep seated 
capitalist bullshit is that <laughs> you, you kept saying that you kept talking right now and i just kept thinking like in the starship troopers universe if a bernie <laughs> sanders candidate kind of existed they would just shoot that dude into fucking space like <laughs> you just be like what are you talking about the military oh, god like, there is just, there's no room for bernie just sanders shoot him in space like dizzy shitty <laughs> that coffin was so huge when they sent her off it was just like <laughs> I kept thinking of like Avenue Five, where like the coffins just kept. Oh my god! The you know what? I have to be honest. I really liked Avenue Five a lot. That was good. I mean, we, at some point when we start doing TV shows, we will do uh -huh. Avenue Five. Okay, good. Was there any technology that I did not cover that you? No, you no. covered all of it. There actually was not a big abundance of technology in in this film. <laughs> For, for being a film set in the fucking future, there was not too much technology. <laughs> They're like, we have guns and uh, that's fine. Okay, let's talk about the guns for a second because the fact that we're still using like bullets, I know at the end of the movie, they talk about like, oh, now that we, we know more about the enemy, we can like develop better weapons and stuff. But like, we really didn't figure out the whole, I don't know, the mini nuke, we can figure out how to make a nuclear explosion smaller, but we can't figure out like not bullets. Yeah, not bullets. <laughs> and I didn't notice, did anyone ever like change a, a cartridge or a clip a cartridge they they did at one point dizzy had to re-up and he was like make them count uh okay <laughs> so i just remember that line <laughs> great johnny rico impression my gosh i thought casper van Dien was <laughs> that was me channeling casper van Dien. yeah my inner casper <laughs> we're gonna do one more break all right we we'll be right back i'm from buenos aires and i say Kill them all! Yes, oh. <laughs> <Death> my <above. laughs> What a missed opportunity to have Metallica. Don't before. tread on me. That's what the bugs flag says. Like literally, don't tread on me because I'm. A <laughs> literally, don't tread on me. Literally, don't tread on me. I'm a bug. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to whatever this is. Welcome back to the uh, Don't Tread on Me podcast. The, uh, <laughs> the jumping back in, we're rounding out our final category. Probably the most fun. This is called plot hole son where we basically get the shit on the movie what kind of just defied logic what was kind of fun i don't know let's just rip into it so there's a lot <laughs> <laughs> there were a few things here i want to kick things off we, we, we kind of mentioned it early on in the podcast but like <laughs> so they all have hispanic last names yeah that was the one thing i was like okay we have rico we have abanez flores i don't know like and we kind of covered why they live in Buenos Aires. As you did say, and it's kind of interesting, you came in from the break with this. Some say the bugs were provoked by the intrusion of humans into their natural habitat. That a live and let live policy is preferable to war with the bugs. Let me tell you something. I'm from Buenos Aires and I say kill them all. Yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah, it's a very, very Western, white American kind of vibe. Okay, so clearly another thing was like, none of these actors are even close to being teenagers like, <laughs> but also i i kind of like that idea because i feel like every year people are always like oh my god like what's the matthew mcconaughey thing oh they, they i get older and they keep saying the same i feel like nowadays people always talk about the fact that like teenagers look so much older so i like obviously they were using older actors in this but i'm like I don't know, dude, like kind of in the same spirit of how we feel, you know, the fucking lip fillers and the nose jobs they're getting at a younger age and things like that. But like, maybe it's not a wild take that in the year fucking 2200, we have teenagers that just look like they're fucking 30. In the research again, uh, originally Paul Verhoeven wanted younger actors to play the part. 
and the studio was like, oh, I don't know, that's kind of a little weird. Cause like, okay, look, we're supposed to pretend like these kids are like out of high school, but like they're sure. all in their like thirties. You know, they're, they're doing some pretty uncomfortable things. You know, they're in like co-ed showers and you know, they're having sex and Mr. Razak comes in and he's like, make it 20 minutes, you know, like, you know, like <laughs> if that was like Selena Gomez and you know, Timothy Chalamet, who you are like your I favorite still, actor. I still have no idea who Timothy Chalamet is <laughs> at all. I've never seen him before. But I mean, like, if they were, like, younger looking, it would look a little weird. It's kind of like that movie Kids, you know, like the, the Larry Clark movie. where Oh, yeah. Thing, and you had these these actual kids doing, like, I don't know, they're doing all kinds of fucking weird shit. It would be kind of weird, but that, I also kind of think that that would be the point of the movie. Exactly. What did that what did that have a much more significant impact? Right. That was the point. That was the point the of the fucking so film. they were so young made it jarring. And that, yes. that, that would have sold the movie immediately. You know, like, you're like, exactly. you're having these kids go off to work. Yeah, that's why it's effective. Okay, oh, the other goodness. thing I wrote was, Xander. Just, <laughs> just, just Xander just in general. Xander. Let's talk about Xander. Xander's, like, I have so many notes about Xander's hair. It wasn't so much like done. It was just like, it like sprouted out of his head. But like, okay, so how old is Xander supposed to be in the movie, do you think? It's because he's already in a uniform. Like when we see it. Right? I legit okay, think. I think because Xander is playing football against Casper Van Dien, I think he's supposed to be like 20 years old. Why is he playing football with high school kids? I know. Regardless, it's like, why would college football be playing with high school football? I don't know the logistics of that, but he's he's clearly not supposed to be much older than that. I mean, he is obviously closer to 40 than he is to 20. Like, I don't understand why they thought that that was going to fly, but. So here's another one. Why do they keep fucking up the cadets? Like, <laughs> I wrote this in all caps with little clap emojis. I know we covered this in Sharper Image where you like you said basically like in the future you can just heal bones faster or do yeah. whatever. So like whatever, but still, you don't find this a little counterintuitive that like they're just fucking throwing knives at their cadets and like doing all kinds of weird shit, like you know, breaking their arms the first day. I don't think so. I think it's very, uh, very much tracks for like trying to make points in the military. And if you have the ability to heal bones quickly and you have the ability to heal these fucking idiots quickly, like what, what's the harm? How stupid was that guy? He's like, so what's his face? Clarence Brown's like, who here thinks they got what it takes to knock me down? Sir, I guess maybe I do, sir. Ah! 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 <laughs> He was so sweet though. He was such a great guy. He was like, ah, I'm pretty sure I could do it, sir. I just love that he was so open about it. Like just so like- Well, like, Dizzy just, did like, the same shit. Dizzy tried to put on a whole show. She tried to do a whole thing and she got her ass beat too. She got choked the fuck out. God, I mean, they really just didn't fuck around. Like when, then there's that one dude that got his head blown off like during the training. Blamo. <laughs> Which leads me to my next point. I mean, so yeah, that dude gets his head blown off. That was a really grand ceremony for someone just to get 10 lashes. Like, what are we doing? That was that was all part of it, though. The lashes were really important. I mean, it was, yeah, it was the public humiliation thing. It was the public display of corporal punishment. Same with Dizzy when they shot her into space. I mean, when she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> they just, like, strapped Bernie to the oh, coffin. No. Like, when they shot Dizzy into space. Again, a huge ceremony for, like, I mean, I get it's supposed to be, like, a funeral, but, like, do they do this for everyone who died? And even then, Dizzy, she wasn't an officer. She was just, like, a mobile infantry trooper. So, like, why does she get this, like, crazy funeral? It was kind of a production it was definitely a thing i mean i get we had to do it just for the sake of i don't know having a new scene but i don't know let's see let's take a little watermelon break a murderer was captured this morning and tried today guilty sentence death execution tonight at six all net all channels would you like to know more
Yeah. How much fruit juice does that one have in there? Is it, it's like 15%, right? It's pretty significant. I mean, the question really is how much fruit juice is in me right now? Because <laughs> this is like the eighth one I've had. No, no, this has nothing to do with Starship Troopers, except for the fact Fine. that like, one of the bugs is a watermelon. That's not true. <laughs> watermelon okay, so bug. Here's the other thing. Okay, so why not drop a real nuke on the bug planet? We have small nuke technology, right? Right. Do we not have big nuke technology? I, like, why <laughs> Why did we sacrifice 100,000 soldiers in an hour I, when a I, big nuke could have done the same thing? I honestly thought about that. I was like, why on earth did we not just drop a nuke on their planet? Why do we give a shit about their planet? So the only thing that I thought might make some sort of sense is that they were saying that they, Neil Patrick Harris swings in and says that they were trying to, uh, they had a suspicion that there was a brain bug. Oh, and oh, that's right. So that's why they didn't nuke it is because they were trying to come in and make sure that they could capture the brain. Starship troopers makes sense, okay? Clearly I'd be in the mobile infantry. Like you would be an officer. I, I also wrote down why are nukes so small, but. <laughs> <laughs> Help out, we have tiny nukes. And it would all be brought to you by Tesla and Elon Musk. And AT&T. Would you like to know more? So I put Hollow Mountain question mark. <laughs> so there was that scene. Where, okay, so remember. Okay, there's a scene where like Abanez and Xander and Xander get trapped. They shoot yeah. out of the you know the, the spaceship's going down. They shoot out of the escape pod, and then out of all the mountain, they hit this hollow mountain that takes them into like the little bug cave. It was a little like, come on, how like? Oh, so know. you're you're telling me that there were fucking plot holes in Starship Troopers? All right, now <laughs> I've heard everything. You'd like to know more? No, I'm just gonna overwrite that one. And then the last thing I put was like bug shit can break the atmosphere, apparently. Sure. So was, was there anything that like stood out to you? Like, no, I thought it was a perfect film. There were no plot holes whatsoever. <laughs> no. I thought it was great. Well, now we've hit the point in our um, episode where we take everything that we uh, talked about and throw it into the fucks capacitor to figure <laughs> out. <laughs> the whole reason I started this podcast was for the fucks capacitor. <laughs> yeah, that definitely tracks. Here's where we're going to break it down and just like, really, do we fucks with this film? Uh, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say I fucks with this film. And upon a rewatch after like, you know, eight, nine, 10 years, it fucking holds up. This is a great film. It's even funnier now that our politics are even worse. <laughs> now that the world is what it is, it's definitely more relatable. It's fantastic. I love Starship it, Troopers. It definitely, yeah, I, it's a resounding yes from me. I already know what your favorite scene in that movie is. So. <laughs> It's the best scene. It's the it's best. When the dog is crushed by the. Oh my god! Oh, my fucking worst. Oh, I was so upset. Oh, like, what a why? bummer! What a I fucking nightmare! I was like, no. the, minute, the minute I saw that dead dog, and then the guy's like, oh. the only good dog, the dead dog. I was like, fuck yes! How dare you? Like, yeah, I was like, dog have to die? fuck all the bugs. I don't give a shit about the bugs. It's interesting that like the dead dog, we're all like, no. But then like a dead insect, we're like, fucking yeah, fuck that bug. You know, like- Insects are gross and dumb. You want to ruin my entire night, just like throw a spider in my face. And I'll just yep. like, I uh, resoundingly fucks with this movie. It really does hit different in 2020. I think it definitely warrants a, a watch. If you've never seen it before, you're going to get a real kick out of it. You're going to get some great tits. You're going to get a mm -hmm. lot of gore. If you appreciate nice. gore, you're going to get some good gore out of this. And some gore. Casper Van Dien's jawline cannot be fucked with in this film. It's it real good. glass. And Jake Busey uh, has teeth for days. It's like basically the whole movie is basically Casper Van Dien's jawline versus Jake Busey's teeth. <laughs> That's versus a good summary. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically a good summary. Versus an electric violin. Electric violin. 
versus the pussy bug phase. <laughs> Which, by the way, Paul Verhoeven just cannot get over the little pussy bug. Like, I no. don't know, he always has to have like female appendages and everything. But I thought it was pretty interesting that the fact that the, the brain bug is like a vagina face, but it controls the other bugs, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's in charge. It's like the worst thing, right? Like a, a bug, like a vagina that thinks, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh but my it, God, his therapist has so many feelings on his work. Yeah. He's just like, I heard this movie way earlier. Like, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that was another great point. I was just like, I don't know. I, I noticed, I was like, oh, the vagina bug that can just like suck your brain out. And like, you know, oh. you know, there's some like incel dude who's like, yeah, right, bitches. There and is so some absolute incel shit going on there that I never, what a nightmare. Good thing we fixed it all now and Joe oh Biden's president. So God. no more Starship Troopers universe. Everything's fine. He's going to make friends with the bugs. I'm going to live it up. He's going to We just got gonna... We gotta learn to live with the bugs. See who's gonna touch their hair. Just sniff the bug. Just <laughs> <laughs> sniff the vagina bug like ease brain oh while God. wearing aviators. Okay, oh so last thing before, before we get up, the last thing I was reading about in the research for this movie is the fact that they're like, there's talks of remaking this movie. Sure, now, sure. this isn't without like precedent because like some of all Verhoeven's movies have been redone. Right. We did say like Total Recall, which was it, I don't know, I feel like it was a flop, but you know, whatever. It was more true to the book, quote unquote. Robocop was also remade and failed terribly. Miserably. So what is your take on should Starship Troopers be remade? Do you think that they would do a good job with it? Honestly, I think I completely think it's it's dependent upon who's involved, but do I think that they could make a good remake of Starship Troopers? I actually do. Let's use the, the Total Recall route right where they like we're going to remake total recall but it's going to be true to the book like again like the reason why paul verhoeven hated the book so much because it was like so like oh this is so pro-fascism and pro-military like it it got lost the reason why we love this movie the reason why we fucks with it is because it's such a satire it's so over the top it's clearly making fun of like fascism and like nazism and like all this other shit oh so the book was very pro-fascism well, yeah, yeah. no that's what i'm saying like when when robert Ryland wrote the book like people were like Dude, this book fucking sucks. No, the satirical no. version of it is really what holds up. It's what makes the entire movie endearing and wonderful. It's so fucking tongue in cheek. Yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, so when they remade Robocop in 2014, right? It just lost all the the character, all the cool parts about it. It was terrible. It, it lost the magic that was part of it. And I think Paul Verhoeven has a really great eye for like satirizing like mm -hmm. the rise of fascism and like what happens when like like unchecked uh, when democracy dies. You know, like that was one of the things that Dr. Raznak talks about. Well, the social scientists brought our world to the brink of chaos. We talked about the veterans, how they took control and imposed the stability that has lasted for generations since. Please don't remake Starship Troopers. Yeah, I'm I mean, on board. I'm on board with not remaking it in that case. Yeah. Oh my God, we did it. We made it through Starship Troopers. Yay, we did it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys. If you guys made it this far, like incredible. Thank you for sticking with us. And, you know, again, we're testing formats and, you know, we're, uh, you know, trying new things and hopefully we're adding new categories. Should we tell them what movie we're going to do next? I mean, we kind of talked about it like off mic. Do you want to? I don't even remember what we talked about. What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll sign off. But Emily, do you have another funny quote from Starship Troopers? Nope, I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Starship Troopers was an absolute blast. I would like to encourage anybody who hasn't seen it to go check it out. I think you'd have a really good time with it. Thank goodness this is all science fiction. And it's like <laughs> real, it's on real life. Yeah, I absolutely want to thank everybody for sticking with us. This has been a really good time. I can't wait to share the new stuff with you. I know, it's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, and if well, you wanna follow us. We're we're both on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Perfect. At 
future world pod. Mm-hmm. We don't fuck with Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg is a weird alien person. Uh, we're going to pretend like Instagram people. is not owned by fucking Facebook or whatever. But yeah, well, we're going to pretend like we live in the future where Instagram's already broken up because they're. <laughs> <a fucking monopoly>, so. <laughs> yes, please follow us on uh, Instagram, not associated with Facebook, and on Twitter. <laughs> if you guys have any comments, uh, you guys want to like let us know what you guys thought about Starship Troopers. Yeah, please feel free. On- yeah, I think I'd like to do that at the beginning of each episode. Any kind of comments and stuff that we could revisit from the last podcast, I would absolutely love to touch on that so if you have any thoughts anything that we missed from this one please feel free to write into us all right well i guess until next time uh i'm evan solano saying i'm from buenos aires and kill them all oh my god i'm emily delap but i'm gonna go have some more wine (laughs) this episode of the future of podcast was stitched together by evan solano our theme music is judgment day by carl casey with breakdown audio and the intro music was the depression by theme music with emr we have long and hot spring.